Hello and welcome to Running on Joy with Francesca Goodwin, the podcast that celebrates putting one foot in front of the other in whatever form that takes. This is a podcast that explores how we can live in a more connected, creative and compassionate manner for the benefit of our communities, our planet and our own mental and physical health. I'm your host, Francesca Goodwin, and every week I'll be asking a new interviewee what joy means to them. Running on Joy is ad-free, but if you enjoy the show, please do take a moment to leave a review and give feedback wherever you listen to your podcasts. You might also consider supporting the work of Running on Joy guest Dan Lawson through rubbish shoes and rerun clothing to end the cycle of wastage in the sports clothing and footwear industries. Follow at Rubbish Shoes and at Rerun.Clothing on Instagram for further information. Hello everyone, happy Monday. My guests today spent over a decade in banking before trading their suit for trail shoes and a new life in the French Alps to pursue their passions for both running and photography. I came across their work in an article for the magazine Like the Wind, where they shared evocative images taken on a disposable camera at Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc this year. I'm keen to learn about their change of lifestyle and their journey with both running and their connection to the running community through photography. So I will now allow them to introduce themselves in any way that they choose. Welcome to the show. (laughs) So thank you, Francesca. Hello, everyone. So I'm Jean-Baptiste Jolie-Lavrieux. I'm 39. Uh, So like Francesca said, I'm based in the French Alps since a year now. Uh, and and uh, yes, I have been a banker for almost 10 years and I have been in, living in different places from uh, Warsaw, London and Paris. Ah, okay. So kind of traveled around then as well. <laughs> yes, a little bit. So uh, thank you so much for, for giving your time and um and I th- as I said before we started talking, your French accent is is lovely, and <laughs> and your English is beautiful too. So, um, but as I as I said, if you um if you feel tired at any point or need me to repeat things, then please please do say. So I'm keen just to dive into before running and photography. What was growing up like for you? So I grew up in the countryside in the center of France where I spent uh, most of my childhood uh, before uh, going to to business school. <laughs> but it was very close to, to where I grew up. So it, it was just a one-hour drive. And then I, um, as part of my business school studies, I have to do an internship. So I went to Paris because I studied finance. And the biggest place for uh, to get a job in finance in France, it's in Paris. Mm-hmm. So I worked there for for an English bank and spent quite a, a few years there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as a child, uh, my biggest passion was uh, cycling. Oh, okay. You're a cyclist. Yeah, which I started uh, in uh, 99 uh, after watching the Tour de France. And I, I was like crazy about that. And I, uh, I did that for almost, yeah, 10 years. 
but uh, and do and did some competition and and uh, stuff like that. But uh, at the end, it was like you know tired of doing the same thing all the time, and uh, that's when I I started trail running. Oh, amazing! Who were the big names in in cycling when you were watching the Tour de France? Who were you? Ah, it was uh, the first year Lance Armstrong won it. Ah, okay. So, yeah. Uh, I remember that I was very much in, uh, I would say in love, but I don't, <laughs> I was a fan of, uh, Frank van den Broek. It's a Belgian uh, cyclist. Okay. I'm not so familiar with cycling, so oh, <laughs> these names yeah. don't mean so much to me, but yeah. <laughs> that's cool. So, yeah, it was a, really a thing I, I love because it was a, um, endurance sport mm-hmm. and it was also, uh, I spent a lot of time outside. And, and it was a sport that I was doing alone because I'm not uh, really, really good at, uh, at uh, you know, like football, basketball or handball. It's not the kind of sport I like. So cycling for me was like a, a way to, to express myself and to find happiness. Oh, that's really beautiful. I spoke to, um, so the episode that I just put out today with Claire Smith, we, we did share our dislike for coordinated ball sports when we were, when we were younger. (laughs) (laughs) So another one who can join our netball team for people who didn't play team sports when they were younger. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. So then how did you progress with your relationship with running then? when you decided to, to turn to the trails instead? So it, I think it was in 2016. I was living in Paris at that time. And it was in Paris, it was difficult to, 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 to do bicycle. Uh, so, and like I said, I was tired of doing the same thing all the time. And I said, oh, maybe I should change sport and explore different you know, different way of, 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 uh, of doing sports. So, and, uh, I think I saw a video of Anton Krupitska. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. Like it was so inspiring. And that's why I, I think that's why I started running and it was so easy, you know, after work because I, I did long, long hours. Mm-hmm. So it was easy. Like I, eight or nine in the evening to go for a one hour run easier than to do two hours of cycling at night. Was it a bit like Batman sort of banker by day and then runner by night kind of quick change. And then that was that. So where did you go running then? Because Paris again, doesn't strike me as somewhere where trails are necessarily available. Uh, I I was living in the West side of Paris. Okay. Uh, so, um, well, there is a lot of park and so you can run easily. It was just five minutes from where I was living. So, yeah, it was not mountains, but uh, it was trails. So I was happy. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, people realizing that, that trails can be parks, they can be riverbanks, they can be <laughs> whatever, whatever path is yours, then it's, it's a trail, isn't it? It's, it's, an, it's an escape and a, and a way of, of moving, isn't it? Actually, you look, I just wanted to go back to the Anton, 
Antonio Kupicka thing. You look a bit like him, so I don't know whether yeah. that... <laughs> yeah, people are saying that to me. Uh, when, when I photograph on races, I, I have people who are telling, oh, it's Anton. Uh, no, I'm not, but... <laughs> But thank you. <laughs> it's Antoine. You should definitely play that. <laughs> Maybe when I put this episode out, we can do a kind of look-alike-y thing. <laughs> See which yeah, we'd it. like to meet him one day. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can. we can. We can kind of stalk him on Twitter with this episode and then see if he responds. Hi, Antoine. Are you out there? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so did running precede photography then? Did it come... Your, your connection with running did that come before photography oh yes because photography is quite uh, is quite new in my life mm-hmm. because i started really i started photography i think it was in april 21 okay it was uh, the last covid lockdown in france and i was <laughs> getting really really bored with uh, with life in general because after uh, you know, it was difficult to see friends, and and I think I I was at um, in a place in my life when I was looking to do something uh, in art. art. Mm-hmm. So the, all the art I was doing uh, over the last ten years was uh, PowerPoints or uh, Excel uh, files. So <laughs> so <laughs> so my dad uh, uh, gave me, I think it. A camera, but it was years, years, years ago. Mm-hmm. And one day, I find it at in my house, and I said, "Oh, let's let's try that." And that's how we, how we started. So it's yeah. It, I wasn't really not looking to be a photographer before that, uh, but <laughs> then <laughs> it's uh, it was kind of a surprise. Mm-hmm. And it still amazes me today that when people ask me, what do you do for a living? I say, oh, I'm a photographer. And <laughs> I just can't believe, cannot believe it. But yeah, that's true. You have to sort of double check and remind yourself. Yes, oh, every yes. Time. I'm always like, yeah, that's my life. When I, for example, I, I, I met with a, a friend I didn't see for a long time after UTMB. Mm-hmm. And I was explaining to, to her what I did there and, all the people I met, and it was like you know talking about a life that it was not mine, but it was my life. So yeah, I'm, I still have to to pinch me or yeah <laughs> to, to yeah to realize that I, I do that now. That's amazing. So you're kind of almost like spectating yourself having this amazing life both running yeah. and, and doing your photography and then somewhere there's a there's a you who's still doing finance in Paris and I'm really interested in what inspired you to make the change from banking it's it's a bold move um so when did you suddenly think yeah I'm walking away from this and actually I'm gonna go and run <laughs> uh, oh, it, it's a long journey uh, but I think it started really when I got my first job in Paris, like it was in 2010. And it was like my dream job. I was so, so lucky to have it. And, uh, from a social perspective, I, I had everything, a good job, uh, a nice looking wife, a nice apartment, but clearly I was unhappy with my life. Mm. So, 
I think it, I started questioning my, my choices and it took quite a long time. Uh, I remember that in 2015, I did a, a skills assessment because I, I was like, no, I'm not happy with this job. I want to do something else, but we really didn't know what to do with my life. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that's, that's funny because the, the first job I put uh, when the, the woman asked me what, what would be your dream job was photographer. Really? But I, <laughs> yeah. But I really forgot that. I found it. I, I found the, the files uh, like a year ago when I moved the, uh, here. I found it. I saw photographer. I'm like, whoa. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, um, but then, um, so I, I, I changed jobs, but I was still not, not quite, yeah, still unhappy. Mm-hmm. And then in 2016, I moved to Bordeaux. Uh, so, and I said to myself, I think it's the last job I, I, I will have in, in banking. Mm-hmm. It was a, a lot less pressure than in Paris. But, you know, the, the days were really like long, <laughs> okay. even if there are a lot of uh, advantages to work in, in, in the finance industry. You know, it's good pay. You have a lot of, yeah, it's, yeah, it's nice. But at the end of the day, I was still like really a, a little bit depressed with mm-hmm. what I was doing. And then COVID came. And uh, I did a lot of uh, remote work, mm-hmm. and I was uh, so relieved not to have to have to go to to work every day and to be able to stay at home. And then we had to come back to work every day, and I I had a kind of uh, uh, not a burnout, but I was psychologically not in a good place. So I I asked my uh, my manager to. Because in France, you, you can ask your, your, uh, your company to, to release you of your contract, but having, but uh, you will have the benefit of, uh, an employment, an employment for two years. Unemployment, yeah. Employment, yeah. So that's what I did and they accepted, but I had to stay for uh, six more months. <laughs> <laughs> There's a time for them to, to, to hire someone to replace me. So, yeah. but at the end of the day, they accepted and I was able to, to move from that. It must be quite difficult when your head isn't in it anymore and then you're staying for six months to. <laughs> yeah, it's like six months where I was happy, but it was, uh, yeah, it was quite long for me and also for, for, for my team because I, I was not. Yeah, I was looking for for next. And at the time, did you know what you were necessarily moving towards or just what you were moving away from? I, I know I was uh, I was going to live in the mountains, but uh, <laughs> I didn't know I was going to, to, to do photography. And I was also hesitating between the Alps and the Pyrenees mm-hmm. because the Pyrenees are closer to, to my friends. Who are, most of them are in Bordeaux, but the Alps are more, uh, 
uh, in, from a, an economical standpoint, you have more uh, jobs opportunity here. So that's why I, I move in the apps. So, <laughs> what did you tell your friends in the Pyrenees? <laughs> uh, it's money first. I'm still quite a banker in my head. So. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. But I, I'm, I, I visit them quite often, so that's okay. So what does life look like for you now? I have a lot of more time for for myself. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's uh, it's uh, sometimes it's weird because I uh, I haven't I you know I sometimes I don't know which day of the week we we are because I have no so I and I uh, work most of the uh, during weekends and so. It's it's a more quiet life, I would say, and I think it uh, suits more to my personality. But it's also more stressful because, uh, uh, in a, in a certain way, because I have to find clients, and so and so at the end of the month, I don't know how many euros I will have in my mm-hmm. bank account. So. You know, it's it's a balance between stress and having a more quiet life and 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 being happier also. So I mean that's it's very different, isn't it, from moving from something where yeah, you know what your paycheck is gonna be yeah. <laughs> um and, and a considerable paycheck to then to then living from sort of well, day to day, month to month, but having more of a balance it sounds kind of holistically in your life of things that are kind of filling you up in a in a sort of meaningful way by the sounds of it um so what does because running if we just kind of wind back because running sort of came before the photography what does running give you do you think i think first it's uh, freedom mm. for me it's a, it's a... It is the easiest sport to do. You know, you, you just have to have a pair of shoes, short t-shirt, and you can go everywhere. And you can also go into really remote places, like here. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you can run in Paris. Because, for example, in Paris, you have, I don't know, many millions inhabitants. And here, we are 250. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's quite a difference, isn't there, it? <laughs> I think there are more cows and and goats and chips than uh, humans <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really lovely and and yeah so freedom um and i i like to be outside mm-hmm. and for me it's and I, I, I have also a border collie <laughs> a border collie oh yeah george uh, with just next to me. Oh, so hi, Jean. For those who can't see, Jean is a lovely dog who is apparently just sleeping through this whole conversation. Yes, so, <laughs> so I, I, I really like to run with him because he, oh, so that's why I, I, I buy him, but mm-hmm. part of, of it. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, be, and also, yeah, being in the mountains, it's, I was going to say that it sounds like kind of as well as the movement side of things, kind of the the mountains and nature are really 
close to your heart the way that you kind of talk about them there's a real warmth there um it's like listening to like Killian talk about the mountains or something like oh I just love moving in the mountains and being in the mountains um so um is that there as well what what is the what does nature and what do mountains mean to you uh, I think it remind me. It reminds me a lot of my childhood because, uh, like I said, I grew up in the countryside and it was really a small town. And I was, apart from school, I was spending hours with my best friend outside, and also during holidays we, with my family, we always went to to mountains. Mm-hmm. So I, <laughs> I, I. Yeah, it's for me. It's like I'm an adult now, but I'm I'm having the life I was dreaming uh, uh, when I was a child. <laughs> Apart from the ten ten years of banking <laughs> in Paris and everything, but and mountains. I don't know why I like that because where I grew up, it's really pancake flat. But and now I. When I, because for example, I was uh, visiting my parents like 10 days ago and I was at, at their place. I was like, no, I cannot spend like more than a week there because it's, it's not boring, but yeah, it's flat and I prefer to, to be, to be where I live. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's the first time in my life where I, I feel at home. Where I, I don't feel like, oh, in six months, I, I would like to, be there or there when I each time I, I arrived where I live I'm like yeah it's it's where I want to live that's so such a beautiful way of putting it like actually just finding finding a place that you suddenly arrive at that you didn't even really know yeah. you were looking for that is that is home for you that's that's amazing and do you just go out for can you spend like the whole day out in the mountains quite happily what does your kind of what does your running schedule kind of allow you to do oh i can run uh, i think my shortest run are, are just one hour easy but yeah. easy here it's like uh, 300 meters of elevation <laughs> because nothing is flat <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I have also a lot of trails, you know, to to go up and and so I can spend four, five hours mm. running or walking when because it's uh, sometimes it's quite steep, but it's it's beautiful mountains, beautiful trails. So I'm super lucky to. But yeah, I like to run between ten and fifteen hours per week. When when I don't work too much, <laughs> is that why <laughs> the do- the dog sleeping? Is that why the dog sleeping at the moment? It's the ten yeah, fifteen yeah. hours running. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> <laughs> he's done in by all of that, <laughs> all that vertical mileage. <laughs> So what is the purpose of photography for you? I mean, I I love looking at your your Instagram and your website where you really get a sense of the way that you see the mountains and nature and also the people that you're um, photographing as well. But what what is it that you're kind of channeling through your camera lens, do you think? Uh, I really like to tell a story, I think. Mm. Um, 
I think first I, I was more interesting about uh, aesthetic, you know, do beautiful shots and with big mountains. <laughs> big mountain yeah. check. <laughs> yeah, big mountains. You tell big mountains. <laughs> but uh, with the experience now, I, I am more and more interesting uh, about people. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I remember that when I started, I was, I didn't like uh, uh, finish lines, and because for me it was overcrowded, I was like, oh, I don't know what to shoot. And but now I, I, I kind of uh, enjoy that. So, um, so now it's a mix between big mountains, little people, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and the faces of people during at finish line, but also when they are running, because. It, you know, it's not only about the, the beautiful place where we have the opportunity to run, but also um, about the feelings that people are having while they are running. Mm-hmm. So no, currently it's a mix of the, of that, <laughs> but I think it's still yeah, it's still it's moving because I, I I'm so new to photography that I. Yeah, it it kind of changed not every day, but it's a a progress. I I make a, a race after after race, and so. And what is that like? Because it sounds um, like you're still very much kind of a, a student of photography in a way, kind of of learning. And what does that what does that give you? Uh, sorry, I didn't. That you're still sort of learning in yeah. terms of your photographic journey, almost like a student of photography. I'm just kind of interested, like what that journey and learning process is like for you. I, sometimes it's um, it's a mix of uh, of pain and joy. <laughs> and joy. Sorry, a bit like running uh, then, really. <laughs> Uh, it's a joy when I, when I'm able to to see that I'm improving mm-hmm. my my photography, but it's also pain because I have a lot of doubts about my work. And like for example, today I posted some photo I made uh, over the weekend of the mountains because it was the first time it snowed since last spring. And I, I spent hours like editing and, oh, is it good to like that or no? Will I share it on my Instagram or no? So <laughs> that's uh, the painful part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the same, it's, no, so, so the, the painful part is the, the self doubt. But yeah, to some, I like to, oh, I don't know if I like it, but I try to 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 see what I was doing a year ago and what I do now. And honestly, I see my progress, so it's kind of self uh, rewarding. Mm-hmm. You can say that, and it gave me a little bit of uh, confidence to to continue my journey in photography. So yeah. <laughs> It's, it's like that. It's amazing, really, because people just see these beautiful photographs on on somewhere like Instagram, and they they like it or whatever. But they don't see, and it's the same with, I guess, any artist really putting their 
their baby, their work out there into the world. And um, it just looks so effortless in a way. And yet there's this real struggle that goes on behind it. And you can't kind of, that's not communicated through it. Um, Something that looks so effortless as a photograph, people don't so much appreciate the really hard work that has gone into it and not just the 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 process of learning how to do it but also that emotional (laughs) anxiety of like oh is it okay is it good enough and all that kind of judgment so I think what you do is incredibly brave (laughs) I have to say Um, I think anything that someone creative does and gives so much to the world it's so it's selfless and um and you are exposing yourself it's a part of you um so thank you for for doing it and for bringing bringing your work to the world because and definitely you know I'm going to put in links and things at the end but it it does you are such a such a strong visual storyteller I think and do you think that your kind of your naivety in terms of you still learning do you think actually that makes your photography unique in a way do you think that actually brings something to your photography uh, yeah, or is it just all I, a I struggle don't, <laughs> I, I don't learn the rules of photography okay <laughs> so <laughs> but uh, so it's a 50-50 sometimes it can make the photo looks really not good <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it could be like oh yeah it's uh, another eye it's something that we don't see very often so yeah it's really 50-50 so but I, I, uh, I did two workshops with uh, Alexis Berg and David Gontier. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know Alexis? Yeah, yeah uh, I've seen Alexis. Yeah. And because for me, it's, it was like really important, you know, to, 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 to be able to, to learn from very good photographers and also to share my, my experiences with other photographers because sometimes we are like, eight or nine students. So, and it's not easy, you know, to, <laughs> to this kind of workshops because the, yeah, you, you, you have this ego thing to, because you watch, you watch the other work and you, and me, I think very often, oh shit, they are really better than me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I don't feel like a fraud, but sometimes, yeah, it could be quite, I could be quite hard on myself. But for me, it's a, a good way also to, to, to be honest with my work and to, to try to, to improve my, my skills. But do you think, um, do you think you'll always kind of have a, a... Will you always kind of gravitate, do you think, towards being slightly experimental and kind of leaving some room to improvise with your work rather than necessarily having a kind of a set way of doing things, do you think? Uh, it really de- depends because um, if I understand it, uh, for example, sorry, <laughs> if I speak about UTMB, uh, you you cannot improvise things. You just, you have a, an agenda and you have to really to respect it and to do photographies of uh, this athlete, this athlete and this athlete. 
And sometimes I have more freedom if I work for a race mm -hmm. and I can, you know, be more experimental, but not so much because uh, these are photos that the, organi the organizer will use on their Instagram or Facebook. So I'm always kind of um, scared you to, to explore too much thing when I don't when I work for uh, in a professional way, not for myself. Yeah, so I was going to going to come on to you. What is that like managing that that dialogue and relationship with someone who's contracting you to to do some photographs rather than you know you just going out and running around the mountains and taking pictures of big mountains, small people. <laughs> Uh, I think that's where I use my banking skills. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really useful. Uh, first, uh, it's to, to be professional, but, uh, in a way that, uh, uh, for example, to, to deliver, uh, uh, photos after the, the event in, in two days. So, so the organizer will be able to use it very quickly after the event and but be, before that you <laughs> before taking photos you have to to get the contract and i think it's the most difficult part of the job it's uh, because me i'm like nobody in the photography world so i have to 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 try to to find jobs and so i did some uh, powerpoint presentation with my work And so I send it to, to, to organize, to organizers of races with a link to my website. So that's, that's where I, I use my banking skills. <laughs> and, but when the, when the contact is made, generally it's, it's, yeah, it's friendly. It's like, you know, it's, it's a client. For, for me, I, I see, I always think, I work for a client. It's mm -hmm. not friends, it's client. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, re really often it's, it's nice relationships because we, we share the same passion for running. So it, it makes the, the conversation easier. Mm -hmm. So you're still you're still speaking the same language, even if it's on a more yeah, sort yeah. of business business level. <laughs> That's really refreshing to hear. And before, because I want to get into talking about um, UTMB, but just before that, can you just talk me through um, any other projects that you've had before that kind of career, <laughs> short career highlights so far? <laughs> um. Though it was so, it was my first year as a professional photographer. So I mostly work for for races. Mm -hmm. So I, but sometimes I like to you know to go in the mountains and uh, and do some photo for myself. So and uh, there is a place I like a, a lot where Jim Wormsley uh, lives now. It's called Le Beaufortin, and it's a really nice place. And uh, when I go there, I, I try to, to make photo each time to have a, you know, per, a, just a bit of personal project. Mm -hmm. And I also did something, uh, because where I live, it's called Le Boucher Mont Charvin, 
and the Montchavin is the, the highest mountains in the in the area. And I went there with an Austrian friend I met during a workshop uh, last July, and we made some a lot of uh, shots there. And so for me, I was happy to 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 make trail running shots and of this place, you know, because it's yeah, it's a mountain I see every day when when I walk when I wake up. <laughs> So yeah, I try to to mix uh, professional uh, jobs and with bit of personal work. I really love that. So it, it's kind of like a, a photo journal of a particular yeah. place that means yeah. means a lot to you and the changes of that. That that's lovely. Do you ever get Jim in the photos as well, or is he? Sorry. <laughs> Does Jim ever uh, come Jim, into the no. photos? <laughs> Just imagining you kind of hiding it, hiding in a bush on the mountain, and Jim. Jim oh no, not today. <laughs> <laughs> he'll come up he'll look on your instagram account one day and see can like hang on i recognize that place <laughs> and so you um so you were contracted um for to photograph utmb um so can you just talk me through your kind of experience of the race and what what you went what what the kind of brief was going into that so I was contracted to work for Peña Vertical, which mm-hmm. is a, it's a, a, an agency which is based in Nancy, just close to my place. And they work uh, mainly for Oka. Oka, yeah, yeah. So my, my work during the week was, uh, was to do behind the scenes, uh, photography of, uh, of the agency work and also to, um, from, yeah, and, and to shoot some races when needed. So it's, it was really a crazy week <laughs> because I arrived on the Sunday, uh, just before UTMB and work really like crazy for six full days. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was such an amazing experience. It was like, like, like I told you before, I was pinching myself. <laughs> like when I arrived, I was like, whoa. Uh, I'm at UTMB. <laughs> and <laughs> and so I'm a the, photographer. <laughs> the, the, the first day was, yeah, like, a bit of a shock. I was, a bit, I, I think I was a bit shy, you know, to, to, to start shooting. And then I went into the flow of UTMB, all that craziness. Then, yeah, at the end of the week, I was really <laughs> relieved and happy. <laughs> Yes, I imagine that actually if you're not used to that and then you've kind of been primarily doing your doing your own photography and then suddenly to to have this position where where you kind of have to be intrusive (laughs) in a way on people that must be quite a difficult thing to bridge. Did you find that? Yes, that's why it was um, a bit difficult the first day. Because yeah. I was not, yeah, I was having difficulty to, because really the first day was about shooting, uh, uh, people of the agencies, the place we were spending the week. And I was like, wow, I'm not really able to, to make portraits. And I was really feeling shy. Oh. And <laughs> yeah, it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like a click. I was like, man. You are here for, you are contracted. So you have a work to do. Maybe it will be the first and 
and final time you're here, but let's enjoy it and try try to do your best. And then, yeah, it's, it was kind of my mantra for the week. And so hopefully I will go back there next year, but... <laughs> next year with renewed confidence and just shoving a camera in people's faces (laughs) does the camera itself kind of give you give you confidence in a way in that situation yeah yes I really feel like um, I'm in a mission when I have my camera Mm -hmm. the the, the more I work the more I, I I gain experience I really feel like yeah I have this it's not like I disappear behind my camera, but um, I have a job to do, and it, it's getting uh, easier to yes to be a little bit intrusive in the people's life because at the very beginning I was like oh maybe I will disturb them or, or you know this kind of fear, and now after taking my first shot. It's disappear. It's like, I have a job to do. I'd like to do this kind of shot. And if I have to be close to people, I will go. Uh, or if I feel like the person is not okay with me making a picture, I will respect that. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've, um, the more I'm working, the, the less shy I feel. I like your way of putting it, um, making a picture, um, because I think that I, I'm sort of assuming that quite a lot of people just kind of think of, uh, don't think of a picture as being constructed. And I'm quite interested in the way that you go about that. Do you find that you have, you kind of have an idea of how you want to see the world or a scene in front of you or do you find that like the thing that you are photographing the subject does that then dictate how you how you capture it (laughs) yeah it's it's really 50 50 when i uh when i'm thinking about uh uh, you know taking making a picture of a big mountain and it's really something i construct in my head like before uh, at UTMB, you have certain places, like, you you know that you have the, this kind of landscape and people will be there where you will have this kind of light. So you have already your, uh, your photo in your mind. But sometimes, for example, at finish lines, it's, it really, it's really based on, on what people will give, will, will give you. So you, yeah, you know what kind of lens you will use, use uh, the angle and etc. But it's really the, the human expression will, which will do your photography. Mm-hmm. So that that then that then yeah. gives you a frame in a way in yeah. itself. That's really interesting, and that actually brings me to to the way that you use disposable cameras then at UTMB. So what was the idea for that? What did the project give you and what was the kind of inspiration for that? I think it, um, the inspiration was like my teenage years mm-hmm. when we, each year I was going in holidays with friends. In Each year it was in a different part of France and it was 
Yeah, well, 25 years ago, <laughs> so there was no digital cameras. And the easiest and cheapest way to, to have memories was to, to shoot with disposable cameras. Yeah. <laughs> and currently you have this kind of trend with, uh, with films and, and also disposable camera. And then when I was contracted for UTMB, I was like, yeah, okay, it's nice. You have this, uh, this job, but, but what, what can you bring? Can you bring something fun? And because I was doing this behind the scene photographies and to document the, the life of the agency. So that, that's when I think about, uh, about disposable camera. And at the end, it was a mix of behind the scene photography and running photography. So yeah, and I was so surprised with the, with the results because <laughs> I was really expecting nothing. <laughs> I was like, or maybe all the photo will would be not publishable or not good at all, but uh, some are good enough to to feature in like the wind or or to be on Instagram. So I was happy. <laughs> and how did people respond to it when they saw you with your, with your disposable camera on the course? Uh, it, it was funny. Uh, first, it was. Uh, Tim, the founder of Penny Vertical, mm -hmm. because I, I did an Instagram uh, story with uh, the photo of the, of the two disposable cameras, and he sent me back, you know, a thumbs up. Yeah, it's so cool. Oh, that's amazing. So like, <laughs> yeah, he, because I didn't spoke uh, with him about it before, and I was like, yeah, he, he likes that. So, so first I was like more comfortable with bringing <laughs> it to, to Chamonix. <laughs> And then during, during the week, it was yeah, really funny. I remember at Courmayeur, at Courmayeur at station, it's a crazy place. It was during the night of UTMB and we were waiting for a client journey and gym. Mm -hmm. And you have the, all this bunch of photographers, videographers, and it's, it's awful. You, <laughs> you have to fight for position and, so, and from the agency, we were five, yeah, five people, two photographers, two photographers and me. So I said, all the guys are here and they will have the good picture for the, for Instagram, for Oka and etc. So I decided to, to take the, the disposable camera and to wait, and to wait for Jim at the entrance of the head station. And I remember the course, uh, the UTMB marshals saw me and they were like, what is he doing? <laughs> and, and I was a bit scared, but because I had to put the flash on the camera because it, the light was not good enough. And I was like, oh my, oh my God, I w I'm going to put a big flash on Jim's head when he, <laughs> I said, oh, maybe we'll be unhappy. But yeah, I said, ah, let's go. <laughs> so it it was I think it was the funniest uh, the funniest uh, memory of that. <laughs> That's the reason he didn't beat Killian this year. He got he got yeah, stunned by your me. camera flash. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the ones that came out, wasn't it? Um, yeah. One of Jim at Cormaya, and <laughs> yeah. the red eyes because of the flash. <laughs> Yes, and because uh, again, um, anyone who who's listening who hasn't used um, 
a disposable camera before. That's something that you can't edit out, can you? The the red eye. No, no, no. The quality is too bad to. to do. <laughs> I tried to do something in Lightroom, which is uh, the thing I I used to edit my photo. But no, you you can't change anything. <laughs> and did you find that your that using the disposable cameras did it create a different dynamic between you and your subjects than if you if you'd had a digital camera? Ah, it was less stressful <laughs> than using my digital camera. It it was kind of a two minute bubble in <laughs> during the the craziness of UTMB. It was like, yeah, I put everything. Behind me, I have this little piece of plastic and I take two minutes of time to try to do my thing. And yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> I lost your question. But um, Whether it kind of like it, it created a different relationship with you and the people that you were photographing as well. Um, do you think they most saw you the, as less most, kind of in, no. intrusive? It was it was it a more kind of relaxed thing with them? For me, it was more relaxed because it was not uh, job related. Yeah. Uh, but I don't. Apart from uh, two two runners, I don't remember that they were looking at me or paying attention <laughs> what camera I was using. It was. Uh, uh, this Oka runner, I, I lost his name during the last climb of, uh, of UTMB. Uh, he, uh, uh, sorry, I, I don't have his name, but he saw me anyway and he said, Oh, nice camera. And it was, uh, our, uh, after almost 20, 20 hours of, uh, racing, I was like, what is still funny and joking? And, <laughs> and then uh, there was also this Japanese runner who saw me and then he stroke a post like, yeah. Oh, I saw that one. It's really it, funny. Yeah, it, it was just after uh, after the, this, uh, this moment with the uh, Oka runner. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? The? Or maybe they were too tired and uh, and they, they were looking to have a little bit of fun. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but the, the only times where people were paying attention to, to what I was doing. <laughs> they might have thought that they were just hallucinating you on the course <laughs> by that point after 20 hours of running. <laughs> so do you think that you'll work in this way again as a, as a kind of side project? Sorry? Do you think you'll Can... work in this way again using the disposable cameras or was that uh, one Yeah, off? I think next year if I'm, if I'm going to UTMB, I will, sure, I will bring back uh, disposable cameras. And maybe... Uh, and I was also thinking, you know, to make uh, uh, photos of my uh, of my work during next year with disposable camera, you know, to make a, not a calendar, but something to remind myself what I did in a different way than with my digital camera. Yeah, and it's something that you you can kind of surprise yourself with as well, yeah. can't you? Which is kind of wonderful. Like that—that's what was so great about kind of the the nineties <laughs> that that you never knew what what the yeah. document of an event was going to be. So so you you can't anticipate or plan it. It's kind of outside of your control. Which there's something quite wonderful about that. I think in a world where we can 
you know, curate our lives so much. Yeah, it, it was so strange, you know, to to take a picture and not being able one one second later to watch and to say, ah, yeah, it's it's good, it's bad, and to to take it another time. It was like, no, I will have the result in three weeks. <laughs> so. <laughs> And what do you think about sort of the use of equipment and technology, like in the photography industry as a whole? Do you prefer to be kind of more low tech, lo fi in your approach? Uh, for work, no, <laughs> because it's uh, yeah, it's more comfortable to have up to date up to date equipment. Yeah. Uh, it's, Especially in terms of uh, autofocus, you know, to follow the runners and to have really nice pictures. But at the end, it's not the equipment uh, we will make nice shots. Or no, <laughs> it's it's your eye. So um, and it's the thing you you have to train. You you have to know how to use your your equipment, of course. But the the thing you have to to train is is the way you see the world and what you want to to tell to people yeah so it's training your your inner eye and lens yeah, more exactly. than more than the camera lens yeah that's a really good way of putting it i, I, rem- I remember seeing a, a youtube video and about with a really good photographers and they were shooting with a with a cameras for kid and the photos were totally amazing and because before that, I was really into equipment, like for my personal work. I was not speaking about professional, but yeah. for my personal work, I was like, I have to to buy this lens, uh, this camera, and and I have to have uh, this forty million cam- camera pixels camera, and etc. And when I saw after seeing this video, I was like. No, it's okay. You have to to have good equipment, but it's you know, like you said, your inner eye. And in terms of your your own running and being a photographer, do you think how does one kind of complement the other? What do you think being a photographer gives to your running, and what do you think running then gives to the way that you kind of interact with your subject matter when you're doing your photography? Um, it's a mix of, uh, being in a, in a good shape, you know, to climb uh, up to a mountain and to be able to, to, <laughs> to do a, a, a picture there. But also it's about, um, when you do, the, when you, you, you do sports photography, it's important to know the, the movement. Mm-hmm. And like, for example, re- running. When you take pictures, when you edit, you, you, ch- as a runner, I know the, the photography I will choose if the movement of the person is good or not. And that, that's also, that's why it's important to, to, to be a runner too. And, uh, I, I also use my, uh, my training to, <laughs> to, to train my eyes with a light. So very often I'm like, ah, oh, this place could be good to to make a picture, and I'm like, ah, oh, this place, and it's all. I I have not always my camera with, with me, but I have always my eye with 
you know, searching for light and to see, ah, oh, could do this, that. And this is uh, something I, I try to replicate when I'm working. So you're again, like you're, you're running as training your yeah. own camera lens again, and then you can take yeah. that back into your work. Oh, that's really interesting. Do you find also when you're running that kind of it lends like a heightened sort of sensitivity to your surroundings, do you think, when you're moving through a landscape? Are you kind of seeing it with your photographer's eyes? Does that give something to your run, do you think? Uh, yes, I think I'm more, um, I would say, uh, uh, present in mm-hmm. when I, because I remember <coughs> that some, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> some, <That's okay. laughs> sometimes where I, when I run, I kind of, I'm forgetting that I run. I'm in my head. I'm thinking about the problems I have in my life, what I will do uh, tomorrow, the coming week and, and having that photographic eye, it's like, it reminds me to be, uh, present in what I'm doing, mm. running, obviously. And to, to see, yeah, to see the landscape, to see trees, light, uh, w- w- wild animals and etc. Yeah. So it's, it's a sort of mindful practice. Yes, mindful practice, yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, so when I teach children to deal with anxiety, we kind of think about five things we can see, four things we can smell, three things you can touch. So taking five, and I can imagine that's that's sort of similar, that you're you're literally yeah. grounding yourself as you're running. Yes, that's, that's really that, grounding yourself, yeah. <laughs> and I just have a few final questions. That's okay, sort of um, a few quick fire ones. Um, if you're not, if you're not totally exhausted now from speaking in English, no, okay. <laughs> doing so well, um, and also pronouncing all of the French names for me without me having to do the work. So <laughs> thank you. So first of all, what are your, what are your your plans for the future in terms of both running and your photography uh no it's uh, <clears throat> the quiet season i would say because uh, winter I, uh, yeah i'm going to say winter is coming <laughs> winter so is yes coming. <laughs> uh, so there are less uh, trail running races so it's a bit of a downtime uh, and for me, it's a bit stressful because it's a time I don't work much, but I have to plan uh, next year. So that's why I, I have, uh, I have rebuilt my website and, and I, I should, <laughs> uh, start to, to, to contact, uh, organizer for next year. So that's my, uh, yeah, that's my agenda for the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I will ski very soon if it snows enough. <laughs> I was about to ask whether you were, whether you cross trained in the winter doing skiing and ski mountaineering yeah, yeah. and things. Yeah. <laughs> and do you, do you race as well in terms of your running or do you just uh, do it for a bit? No, no, I, I'm not into. Uh, I did a lot of uh, competition when I was cycling, mm-hmm. and now it's. Uh, I think the last the last race I did was in 2021, mm-hmm. <laughs> so quite a long time ago. And now I just like to you know to go outside with my dog, run run in the mountains here or in a different place place in the Alps or the Pyrenees. But no, it's. 
I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I don't have that competition uh, fire in me anymore. I think it's it's a really interesting journey and really important thing to, and again, a brave thing when you kind of come to terms with who or find who you are as as an athlete as or as somebody who who runs and being a runner but not necessarily in a competitive sense and it sounds like for you that kind of synergy between running and creativity that's that's where you found your sweet spot <laughs> yeah. um and, and without the need for the competition so i'm really glad that that's that's come to you and um and that you've found that that happy place <laughs> maybe your dog is not so happy that you're running so many miles has he, has he woken up yet or is he still <laughs> still snoozing on the side and who inspires you you mean in terms of photography or in life in um, we could do we could do both so running and and photography we've mentioned anton so <laughs> yeah i was uh, again uh, going to mention anton because it was um, running, but also his approach of life. Mm -hmm. I think he has kind of a really interesting approach of life. Is like, um, yeah, because what speaks to me about him is, is uh, his way of, uh, you know, spending a lot of time outside and have this, this quiet life. That, and that was what was inspiring me. Uh, in 2015, uh, 16, when I discovered him. And in terms of photography, uh, I would say, yeah, if I speak about trail running photography, obviously Alexis Berg is the master of the light. <laughs> <laughs> he's really good. And also uh, he's uh, uh, David Gontier, who is a, a good friend of him. And, and, He's less known, but I spent a lot of time with with him at the, during this UTMB because we were colleagues and contracted with, by the same agency, mm -hmm. and I work kind of uh, like a, an assistant for him uh, during a TDS. And yeah, it, it's yeah, it's really nice guys to to be around, and because he is always keen to to teach me things and to show me how it works, and really very. Because very often between photographers, we have, we have, we have uh, this, this kind of ego competition. <laughs> Who is going to do the best shot and etc. And with David, it's not like that. It's really a peaceful uh, relationship. So, yeah, I, I like him very much. And uh, apart from sport photography, uh, I also like photojournalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a French call, uh, paper called Liberation, and they, have, uh, they are really into photography. I think it's the last uh, a newspaper who, who is paying really paying attention to the photographies they publish, and so I, I like to to follow the the work of their photographer because it's really different photography, obviously, than sport, mm -hmm. but it's uh uh yeah, especially with portraits they they use the way they use lights and and the ways they they are able to 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 um, 
to document the human expression. For me, it's uh, really interesting to 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 watch and and to understand how they they are able to do that. And I suppose you're you're both still documentarians in a way, yeah. aren't, aren't you? You're you're observing life um, just in, in different contexts, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, that's that's really interesting that you take that 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 influence. Actually, you can see that see that in your work, even though it, it's not for a newspaper. I think the the more I I'm, I photography, the more I'm um, interesting in not doing only sport photography. Mm-hmm. It's like you know to document uh, not my day to day life. The sometimes like yeah maybe I. Should, I think I'm, I'm not publishing it on Instagram, but I'm doing photo of my dog, of my life here, of people around me, the animals, cows are just close to my place. And because it's, yeah, I, I like that. It's a life, it's isn't it? But it's like, uh, you know, to, yeah, to document my life and uh, what happens here. It's lovely. But is there is there a particular race that you would most like to photograph? What's your kind of bucket list event to go and be a photographer on? Uh, yeah, I think I would go to the Dolomites, to the Lavaredo Ultra Trail. Okay. Yeah, because it's a dream to, to go to the Dolomites. I was planning to go there, but when it was just before COVID, <laughs> so I didn't went. And then I still not go there but yeah hopefully when when they uh, go there i would also like to to work for a tour des géants mm-hmm. because yeah it's a long race and in terms of uh, uh, landscape but also um, human or runner story i think that uh, there is a lot of things to do yeah, I guess kind of observing the journey that an individual goes yeah. on over the course of that many yes. miles is really interesting. Yeah, so those kind of journey type type races. Yeah, that that yeah. would be my my two dream races to cover. <laughs> Dolomites and Tour de Gion. <laughs> I think those are <laughs> definitely on a lot of people's bucket list to race as well, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and um, finally, two last questions. So what would you say to someone who's maybe nervous about pursuing their passion? Uh, it will not be easy, but... If you have the, the opportunity to try, try. <laughs> I, I remember me before doing, before making that choice to quit uh, banking, uh, I saw a documentary about Mimi Kotka and, and her husband. Mm-hmm. And it was so inspiring. I was like, they were, at that time, they were living in a camper van, uh, close to Chamonix. And I was like, because they quit everything in, uh, yes, they are Swedish. Yeah, they quit everything in Sweden. They sell, they sold their home. They quit their jobs. And I was like, yeah, maybe I should try to do that. And yeah, it was really scary because, uh, you, you lose a lot of, of comfort. But uh, I had no wife, no kids, no debts. So it was kind of an opportunity, a moment to do that. So 
in a way, I was lucky to have this uh, this opportunity in my life. Like, it's uh, risky, but it, at the end, it will have uh, consequences of, of me on me or my dog. But it's that's all. Yes, and that's you, you know that is a privileged position to be in, as as yeah. as you've said, um, and not everyone has that, obviously, but. Um, but it's still a brave decision on your part because it's a big change and and going uh, into yes. the un- and going into the unknown so and and the unknown can always be one of those places where you find things um but also lose things as well yeah it's really going into the void some yes really often it's like wow it's every, because you you can in a way you can do everything when you quit your job, your, the place you live, you, like a year ago, it was like, I have to decide where I, I want to live, what I want to do for a living. So, so it's, yeah, it's really exciting, but sometimes it's like, oh, too, too much. It's like, oh, oh my God. But yeah, and it, but it takes time. It's, it's not like instantly you don't have a, and me, it was like, it's, it's been a year, but it will take probably more than more, one more year to, to be a little bit more comfortable. But yeah. Yeah. It, it takes, was worth it. <laughs> it takes work and nothing yeah. ever looks like an Instagram post, does it? Yeah. <laughs> and my final question, which you probably know, cause you told me that you've done your homework and, and, and uh, listened to some past episodes. So what does joy mean to you? Uh, joy, I think it uh, it's a uh, it's a way to live life. <laughs> I don't know if it's uh, if it's uh, understandable, but uh, for me, joy is uh, is the way I'd like to live my life. I know that I can be joyful uh, uh, all the time, but it's kind of um, probably my biggest goal uh, in life joy and happiness so it's a thing to kind of to strive towards and sort of live your i'm going to make an awful pun now kind of live your life through the lens of <laughs> of joy but <laughs> kind of works doesn't it i think <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and and taking me and and the listeners on, on such a journey. I think it's really interesting to kind of see see running and and see movement from from the other side of someone kind of looking in, and but also how you how you use that to then also reflect back on back onto yourself. Um, and you've been so open and, and insightful on that. And I, I really can't wait to see how, how your journey evolves. Um, and it's really refreshing also kind of your, your humility and your willingness to be open to learning and that kind of creative process. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for the, for the invitation. <laughs> no problem. We'll speak soon. <laughs> I am so grateful to the community that is growing around the podcast and if you've enjoyed today's episode I would so appreciate if you can share it with your communities and help spread the message of support, perseverance and joy further. 
If you have any feedback or suggestions for future guests, you can find me on Instagram at running underscore on underscore joy. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time for Running on Joy.